Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. off track with Hinch and Ross. Alex, what are you eating? Airhead, bro. God, I'm so jealous. Although I was just eating these things. You, you eat these. I know you eat these. These the smart sweets. They come in like the gummy bears, little Swedish fish or whatever. For I mean, sure. Kelly, is crash. Kelly buys them. They're horrifying. Oh, okay. Well, so look, the, the peach rings I have discovered and they're actually pretty solid. Like fuzzy peaches were a candy back as a kid. I don't know if you guys have them in the state. I don't know if I see them a lot, but I brought you six selections of airheads when we went to watch six hours of movies and you didn't eat any. Well, it's because we also had dinner and then also bought movie theater stuff. So and I forgot they were in Kelly's purse. I forgot that we had them. Yeah, that's true. Should we should we talk about that? We should talk about how we, we should actually talk our, about that. Our week last week. We often barbied. Hmm. I believe the uh, was- proper name is Barbenheimer. Right, but we didn't do it in that order. So I feel like See, okay. I feel like that's that, fair. You can't. I feel like you can't end with Oppenheimer. I think you did it the right order. Well, like I, I feel like Oppenheimer right. would be a. I, I didn't want to start or end with Barbie. Really, I, I think it. it looks amazing. I haven't seen it yet. Horrifying. Well, hold on. Horrifying? Let's let's go through this. Let's go through the story. So we decided that we were going to do this because we had time to do it, and this was a thing people were doing in the world. The internet told us we didn't really. And have time, so I, but we decided. No, we that. made time. We made time. We, I guess, so I text Alex on like the weekend. I'm like, hey man, want to do the movies on Wednesday? And he's like, yeah, yeah, for sure. This is some point during the weekend. So it would have been like Iowa weekend, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then and then on Monday, he texts me. He's like, hey man, was looking at uh, the theaters. Like they're already, so the one we wanted to go to is already sold out. Let's go to this one. We'll do this time, do dinner. And then the second one this time. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I was talking to Becky and um, so Becky, you know, Becky was up in Canada working. I was still in Indy and Becky was like, Oh, was, what do you, what do you have on today? I'm like, ah, a couple meetings and you know, that's it. Walk the dogs, do some laundry, nothing crazy. And she goes, no, you don't, you liar. I'm like, excuse me. She goes, you're going to the movies tonight. Kelly told me. I'm like, no, no, that's tomorrow. I told Alex Wednesday. And she goes, are you, are you sure? Because Kelly's pretty, pretty convinced it's today. I'm like, huh, I don't know. So I went back into my text and I scrolled up and I saw, yeah, it said Wednesday. So I texted Alex. I'm like, hey, Alex, what are we doing? He goes, yeah, no, totally thought, or I totally just thought you meant Tuesday. And yeah, so I booked the tickets for, for tomorrow. We're definitely going tomorrow. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Cool, cool. Head attack. 
So your so brother then, gets you in trouble with your wife. My bad. My bad. <laughs> no, it's all right. This is this I've is the problem. Where, I've definitely gotten James in trouble with her before. Yeah. <laughs> no, the, the trouble is that Kelly and Becky talk more than you and I do about the stuff that you and I do. So that's that's where we get broken telephone. But so so we so the day comes. It was fine. We made it work. And then um, I feel like we were like in line for Oppenheimer. Which, so we, yeah, we purposely decided to end on Barbie because we wanted to end on an upper and not on the end of the world. And Or the beginning and, and, of basically the balanced free world. However you want to look at it. And so at one point we were there and we were like, I think literally we were checking in or walking in the movie theater and we were like, look, man, that's like, a, this is like an eight hour afternoon evening we've planned. Like, we got stuff to do tomorrow and like I had to fly up to Oshkosh tomorrow. Yeah. Like, we're like, was... they, we're probably not going to do Barbie. I'm like, totally fine. Like Oppenheimer is the one I really wanted to see. Barbie was just kind of funny to do. So we go and see Oppenheimer. Alex, what'd you think of Oppenheimer? Loved it. Loved every second of that three hour movie. I thought it was phenomenal. I loved the, spoiler alert. Well, I'm just going to say spoiler alert because I'm going to assume at some point we're going to spoil something. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I I love. I mean, I feel like we all kind of know how that one ends. <laughs> but just the, <laughs> the, the, the characters. Um. Obviously, this is it wasn't fictional, but just the betrayal of the characters. I, I just thought everything was was amazing. Cillian Murphy did an awesome job. I was entertained throughout. Kelly, who is admittedly not a historian nor cares at all about anything historical loved it i just thought it was a movie that appealed to everyone and was such a pivotal part in the world and the world that we live in now and it was an amazing representation of it is such a cool thing to like go back and see right obviously this all happened well before any of us were born and we all know the story and like yeah yeah manhattan project and they know who was involved and the names and yeah Right. But what was so fascinating for me to like see it in that sort of way, right, is you've got this group of people that have been tasked with this thing that has never been done before. And listening to some of the greatest minds in the world at the time have no idea what the actual outcome, like any science project, right? Like any, any theory is just that. It's that everything works in theory, right? Yeah. It's only whether or not it actually works in practice. And like the, the part that I really hooked on to was the fact Near that there zero. was... Correct. There was, there was this one part where one of the scientists had done the calculations on the reaction of the bomb. And they were like, hey, what if the reaction just never stops and we inadvertently set fire to the atmosphere? And so, like, the whole planet would just burn from the inside of the atmosphere. And then they had, so they panicked about that for a minute, and then everybody else ran the numbers. And they're like, there's a near 0% well, chance no, even, that'll even, happen. Even out, they showed it to Albert Einstein, and he was like, yeah. uh, I don't really want to be involved. So, like, he, even his mind wasn't like, oh, there's no <laughs> way. He was just like, I don't, I don't want to touch it. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> So pineapples, with a, pineapples. Yeah. yeah. With a near zero percent chance of ending humanity in Earth and everything on it. They built and they set like, off a- do you think do you think it really Ship was it. near zero, or were they just like, 
well, nobody's going to be able to say I was wrong. No, see, that's the thing. I mean, these guys, they didn't want to do it in the first place. You could like the, the hesitation about what the bomb really represented and if it ever got used, what that truly meant. I mean, these people aren't military people, right? They're scientists. Yeah. And so a lot of them struggled with what they were building, but they sort of had to. Um, but that, but watching and, and, them and they work were, they through were addicted. it. They were addicted to the puzzle. They wanted to like, yes, like for sure. all engineers, like they wanted to yes. figure it out. And they, they wanted, wanted to be, to be successful, yes. but yes. And yeah, and it was a race against the Russians and, and all the rest of it. And, uh, well, and the, the Germans, time, the big, the big target was the Germans. So that was, yes. That was, yeah. Um, but it was, it was so fascinating to just kind of see something like obviously big space nerd. You watch movies or read books about when they're trying to figure out rockets and space stuff and whatever. And it's like, yeah, a rocket could blow up. And yes, unfortunately you might have a small loss of human life. These guys thought they were going to set fire to the atmosphere for a minute there. They didn't like, actually. They, they considered it as a possibility. Like, it was, it was a there near There are a zero. lot of other inventions where it's like, well, it could just kill everyone. Like, That's what I'm saying. That's the guy like, who made the yo-yo didn't have to grapple with that. Correct. <laughs> correct. That's That's yeah, fair. Chia Pets never really had a, you know, a threat of ending civilization. So that part was really fascinating. The one thing that I disliked about the movie was when you go, (laughs) that was, that was not it. Whenever there's a movie that's based on real people in a real event, right? If you can't shove the entire life of that person into two hours or three hours, which normally you can't, there's often like the, the story that they're trying to tell specifically ends. And then you get these little blurbs, these captions pop up on screen where, oh, this is what happens for the next 20 years. And then eventually he died peacefully in his sleep in upstate New York or in New Mexico, whatever, right? And kind of just like put a nice bow on it. This we, is not some... Do we know what upstate New York is yet? Or No, we don't. I'm just going to say for everything. Connecticut. Like, right. Connecticut. Right. As far as I'm concerned, Albuquerque is in upstate New York now. Copy. Yeah. So, there are parts of North Carolina that are technically upstate New York. Right. 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 But they, you know, it, it's not it's not like open to artistic interpretation, right? This isn't like some story of, oh, like, is Tony Soprano really dead? Or like, is he just sleeping? You know, this is a fact. This is a story. This is a real life. This is a, a person did this stuff. They didn't give any of that. And there was a big leap. There was like a, I think, a 10, 20 year leap at the end of the movie, they don't actually tell you how big the leap was. He just goes from being his age to being considerably older. He goes from being lambasted by the government to being celebrated. I'm not entirely sure what he did in that interim time. They made it sound like he was going to prison in that, you know, little tribunal they had him part of. So I haven't seen the movie, but I do know he was brought up in front of the HUAC committee, right? The House on Un-American Activities Committee headed by McCarthy and things like that. and And so it was really just about his top level top secret security clearance which he lost because of that hearing but like yeah. they made it sound like he was going to jail for the next 30 years and they just like took the guy that literally helped them win the war and save the world and then just like threw him under the bus it was weird and so th- that part i thought was a little yeah unclear. there's there's not a great track record of doing that uh I mean, well, the British did it with Alan Turing. What's What's interesting is like all of this was surrounded around in his younger years, right? He was entertaining a different political party and in, in literally party. Like he went to a house party that was like kind of um, a fundraiser of sorts or whatever. And long story short, this tens of years later 
ended up having an impact on his future freedom as a U.S. citizen who just did all of this to basically protect the United States. And my point that I'm getting at is that was before the Internet. Like that right. was before <laughs> that was before people could go back to what still lives out there on these web browsers, right? This was something that someone happened to see him at a house party a decade prior. Yeah, that's why I always like the conversation about like uh, cancel culture now. It's like, really, you think it got bad now? Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> have you heard of the blacklist? <laughs> right. It's uh, yeah. I mean, it was that was in a time when there was a huge existential threat of communism in the States and people were exploring that as an opportunity. And even back then the FBI or the CIA or whoever was going to known communist gatherings, communist party gatherings, and literally taking pictures of license plates of the cars that were there and reverse engineering who was at the party, like old school Instagram stalking and figuring this stuff out. Yeah, they didn't have TikTok. They didn't have anything else to do. Right. What's also phenomenal is like this was this is under a hundred years ago. This isn't that far ago. Like, yeah, it, yeah, fascinating. Anyways, so we watched Oppenheimer. James and I both loved it. We continued on with our plan of going to dinner. Um, And we sat down at dinner, and I'm going to be honest, as soon as we sat down, we were like, we're definitely going to go see Barbie, right? <laughs> I mean, we already had the tickets. And, yes. you know, one martini told us it was probably the thing to do. And so we decided we were going to go see. We were going to see this plan through to the end. And we went and saw Barbie. Now, preface with big Margot Robbie fan, big Ryan Gosling fan, big Will Ferrell fan, big Michael Sarah fan. Big Mattel there fan. Big Mattel fan. Big Barbie fan, I guess. Everyone knows that. that James Hinchcliffe, big Mattel guy. Well, he did drive a Mattel car at one time. Is that true? Didn't we do that? Oh, you mean like race car? Yeah. Yeah, I drove I did actually. I well, I drove a car. Yeah, yeah, we did. I forgot about that. So I drove a car that the year before is a Formula 1600. The year before it had a, a girl named Ashley Taz driving it, and she was sponsored by Mattel, and it was all done up in Barbie. And so I drove it the next year at a couple races for that team. And they just peeled all the Barbie stickers off, but just left it pink. So I just drove this like stickerless pink car mm. uh, that was formerly a Barbie car. So yeah, great point. Big, big Barbie guy. Big Barbie guy. I got to be honest, man. I don't know if it's just we were tired or what, but it was, listen, it was terrible. Listen, I haven't seen either, so I can't comment. Spoiler alert again. Yeah. We live in a time where people are very divided on political opinions on everything. Just everything. Red Vines versus Twizzlers, the important stuff. The important stuff. Dasani versus Aquafina. It's wild. Wild out there. Who would ever die first? Dasani. Yeah. Um, And so this movie was going to have a political message of sorts, kind of. Um, and, yes. and I don't have a problem with that at all. Everything does these days. What I have a problem with is there was nothing clever about it. It wasn't mm-hmm. cleverly done. It was just, it was so like blatantly obvious, kind of the, 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 the messages that they were trying to get across, I would say, where it was kind of just like, what, what are we watching? Like, it's not no. that... I was like, the the subtlety of a jackhammer. 
Correct. Yeah, but but but, but without even the finesse, but, but, I, it's, and, and no no like humor associated with it. It was just these sequences of events that you were just like that doesn't even like yes we're living in Barbie Land in a dream world and all this stuff, but that doesn't even that's so dumb. That's so dumb. It, yeah, like the, you the can't even. The, I can't even ascribe this to politics because you guys are on totally different ends of the spectrum. I won't. I mean, we won't go into either of your politics, <laughs> right. but you guys don't agree on that issue. And that's that's the point. It's not that I care or James cares that there's an underlying tone to the movie, right? That, that whatever. It's that it was just the execution was horrifying. Like I think they were trying to be somewhat satirical in the message that they were getting across, which is great. And like, even if that comes at the expense of me or my beliefs or whatever you're you're discussing, if it's done tastefully and hilariously, I will laugh at it. It was it was neither. Well, I mean, it wasn't. I want to say it was tasteless. It was just not good. It was just poorly written, and the concept, the layout wasn't great, and the visuals were cool. Yeah, like a like real people living in a Barbie dream house. That's life size. That's kind of neat. Uh, but like, yeah, other than that, it's really sad. I've been, I was like looking forward to seeing this movie. I love Greta so Gerwig. I. I thought it looked yep. fantastic. I'm on I'm really board curious. With, that, with those politics. Like, <laughs> I, I want, again, it's not about the politics. I, I, you know, the, you know, the movie's obviously very trying to like show young women and girls, you can do whatever you want and be anything. And a hundred percent. I think everyone here agrees with that, but it's the, the execution was just so bad and the movie. It just wasn't a good movie. Um, so I'm, I actually really want you to see it, Tim. And I want to know if maybe we just were tired or too hopped right, up I'll on sneak, sugar I'll sneak or, out for a matinee tomorrow. But, and but here's, here's the thing. And I was explaining to some people that I was with over the weekend. It was like, it was, it was so difficult for me to watch. Margot Robbie's appearance wasn't even enough to save it in my mind. Like <laughs> I want to, I asked James three times if we could leave. He did actually, he did want to leave. And, uh, I have this thing. I have this thing where I can't not finish something that I start. Like if I start a That's bad right. book, I've just gotta, I gotta, I gotta run through it. If it's a bad show, I gotta at least get through the season. You know, I, I just gotta, I gotta fire through. I've and, only uh, ever left one movie in the theater. What was that it? That was uh, Love Guru with Mike Myers. Oh wow! And that was just like, yeah, I don't need to. I don't need to finish this one. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't great, but I wouldn't have left. Yeah, it was pretty. Bad. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, and the other thing, the other thing, the other thing that I'm interested to hear from you, Tim, because um, of the people that I've spoken to, granted, very small sample size, most are friends of mine. Um, no, they didn't like it either. So my point is, like, is Rotten Tomatoes lying to us? Is Rotten Tomatoes actually not a good barometer? That was going to be my follow. Oh, I mean, Rotten Tomatoes did get bought by a film studio, so it like it take those. Yeah, film studio well. make Barbie by any chance? <laughs> it may have. I'm not sure. I haven't looked into mm-hmm. that. I don't know which studio made Barbie. Uh, so that's not. A, but like the box office numbers shouldn't be lying, and it's doing no. amazing so it, numbers, but, and but it didn't have a fall off. Yeah, but usually if you have a movie that's like overhyped and is a letdown, it'll have like a huge first week and then you'll see a precipitous drop for week two. Both Barbie and Oppenheimer have not had that. I don't think that'll happen. There was such a craze on the Internet around these two movies that became so 
like to people that don't don't even care want to see it because they want to be a part of something yeah like we're we don't own barbies we don't have daughters. But we want we want yeah, to go me see neither it. no but like <laughs> we we did it because i i didn't even know that these two movies were coming out on the same day type of thing but the internet told me and then everyone was going to do it so we were like well this will be funny let's go do it and so like i it. feel like that's what a lot of people are doing but also you know I, i'm sure that there's a lot of you know younger people that will just look at it and like the colors and whatever and you know it then might not necessarily be picking it apart from a from the, the the same aspect of you know of of film what's the word i'm looking for appreciation they're, they're not yeah like they're, yeah they're not they're not dissecting the the satirical com- comedic value they just it's barbie and I they want to go all see of barbie that- I, I'm of the opinion that all of that has to be secondary to making an entertaining movie, but right. Like you first and foremost, you should make a movie that people want to watch. And what then would you know about else, making movies, n- not making good ones. I know I I'm like, I'm an inspiration for filmmakers in the same way that a shipwreck is an inspiration for people to sail engineers in that water. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting. That must be a new joke you learned because you've now used that I used two it days yesterday. in a row. Yeah, yeah, no, I just used it yesterday and then I was like, I should use it again. Mm-hmm. But I figure nobody that listens to this podcast is in that group chat, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> James isn't even on that group chat. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The legends are true. We're overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10 piece Wick Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Um, all right. So that was our the beginning of our week. I then, as we spent 21 minutes talking about movies, holy shit, uh, I then popped up to Oshkosh for the day uh, with Mr. Grosjean, which was a cool experience to go check out. You know, probably yeah, the what, greatest. What was up there? Uh, so Oshkosh is like a fly-in um, air show event ex- extravaganza that kind of goes on for 10 days um it's the busiest airport in the world for this like week and a half like fifteen thousand planes fly in five hundred thousand people come like it's chaos um and so it was really cool to to go up there check it out see all the different 
manufacturers and uh, suppliers and old military planes, new military planes, experimental planes. Let me put it to you this way, James. It's an, a person put a PT-6 in a Bonanza, and, and I'll explain to you kind of what that would mean in, in what you're used to flying. That's like putting uh, a 1,200 horsepower engine in a Cirrus. Got it. Okay. Just for and giggles. Why not? I mean, I could think of a few reasons. But they do it. So anyway, so it's it's everything from you can go buy this brand new Honda Jet to a TBM 940 to Craig down the street built this badass thing out of his garage and he says it's really cool and you can buy it for 75 grand, right? So like it's it's just everything that you could <laughs> not going to be doing that, right? Right. Same. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then there's competitions in terms of like short field takeoff and landing, um, F22 Raptor demo teams. Anyway, so it's cool. Went up for the That's day, amazing. came back in a day. Um, would love to go again in the future when you could actually like camp or at least stay close by and kind of experience the whole the whole shebang. Um, and then uh, just had a nice relaxing weekend. So that was that was my week. How about love it? You what did you get get up to post uh, Oppen Barbie? Well, post uh, Oppen Barbie, I came back to Canada. I uh, I flew back home. Uh, Becky's been up here working. So came home on, I want to say Thursday morning and then, uh, went and visited Becky on set on Friday and, uh, got to meet a bunch of the cast, which is great for this project that she's on for the next couple months. That the, the one person that you wanted to meet the, the guy that she's going to make out with or no, no, no. I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know. Oh no, I've already, mm, I think I've already met him. Okay. I think it's yeah. I've already met him. This All is right. he, she's worked with that guy before. Got it. He's cool. a he's a gem. Yeah, um, a familiar so tongue, people. if you will. <laughs> Correct. Yes, the familiar flavor. Um, oh, so, no. <laughs> <laughs> so then we and then so for the weekend we came up to the cottage because Becky's actually got Monday off, uh, which is today. Uh, she's working Tuesday, but then coming back up it's just for one scene. And then so we'll, basically I'll be up here until up at the cottage until I head to the airport for Nashville, um, which is pretty cool. The other thing that we just got to do, which if you're a diehard fan, you've already heard it, but I just want to touch real quick on the conversation we had with Brian Barnhart because Brian Barnhart's a gem. Mm. Like that guy is a, he's an awesome dude. He's a great human being. He's a huge part of this sport. We're both lucky to have gotten to work with him. You're still working with him. Uh, and it was a great little chat. I mean, he's just, he's such a wealth of experience and he's got so many cool stories. And so we got to have a nice chat with him. So if you haven't listened to it, go check out the Brian Barnhart. Um, and we're going to have to have him back on because I had so many more questions. Yeah. I mean, sometimes the, the 20, 25 minute interview series format is good. Other times you'd love it to be an hour. Kind of just, kind of just depends on the person. And the day. Um, all right. So you mentioned uh, you're up there till you go to Nashville. I also noticed that currently you are wearing a sweater. Um, so have you have you looked at the forecast for Nashville? Are you aware that you're going to completely need to change or cut clothes off of shirt sleeves off your clothes? Like, have you seen how hot it's going to be? Yes. Yes. No, I did. I did look ahead, which was handy. Um, and. Sure. When the weather app, just like you click on Nashville for next week, it, it just turns the surface it, of the sun. just turns yeah. red, just disintegrates. 
the app just disappeared. Yeah. Burned yeah. up. I had to buy a new phone. Um, yeah. It's, it's going to, yeah, it's going to suck for you, man. I'm going to be in a nice air conditioned booth and uh, I'm going to feel really, really bad um, for you guys out there. Do you guys have Is like a, a guest area up there that I can come to? I, I promise I'll be quiet. <laughs> Honestly. So I'm not just saying this because I don't like you being around me. Um, which we know to be true. Uh, no, the booth in Nashville it. is the smallest, tightest, most cramped booth of the entire year. So in short, no, but you can come hang out in our production trailer, which is very nice and very air conditioned. How and much very do you really and has snacks. How much do you really need Townsend up there? Like I could come up there. You I'm just could with you. I mean, I, I, I don't think you would be as good at it. If I'm honest. Oh uh, yeah, I mean you you take that up with Townsend, see if he wants the weekend off, and you can come up and hang out again. Or you can hang out in the production truck, which is far roomier and requires yeah, less work. Or you can hang out in my bus, which yeah, is also that. very cold with lots of beverages that you enjoy. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't that. have the beverage selection yeah. that he's got. Can I actually actually no? You know what? You can take my position, hang out with Lee and Townsend, and I'm gonna go hang out in Alex's bus. That that actually sounds Smart. like the hot ticket. Smart. I think um, Everybody would you would like that the fans at home would appreciate it. I don't think right. everybody wins. Realize the insight that I would have and like mainly just commenting so, like the color of the cars and aesthetically how I think they look. That's important. People want to know I that stuff to the broadcast. Um, so Alex, we're heading back to Nashville, which is almost like an adopted hometown for you because your uh, dad lives there, um, and you spent a lot of time there. But the track. Uh, which I think you like ish has, uh, this is the last year we're running this, this, this configuration. Yeah. This um, is the end of this configuration. Listen, James, I, I enjoy a qualifying lap around Nashville. You know, I think we all wish the turn very specific, the turn like five to eight yes. section was less dumb. Mickey Mouse, yeah. Right. But ultimately, you know, they had to do what they had to do. It's awesome that we have a street race in Nashville. It's awesome that the city's behind it. Um, you mentioned how it's changing for next year. That's because the uh, Tennessee Titans Stadium, which the current track kind of goes around or uses part of the, the parking structure, is getting changed and they're doing an indoor uh, dome stadium to hopefully host the Super Bowl one year, yada, yada, yada. Um, but that's a good thing that it's changing because let's be honest, as much as it's fun to drive a lap, the race is just a complete crapshoot and, and it's okay. Like we've talked about this on, on this show before, like, you know, cup has their crapshoot races. Um, you know, F1 has their crapshoot races where Verstappen starts six and doesn't get to lead to lap 17. Um, Loser. So, so it's, it, every kind of series has it. And I think it actually adds to kind of the dynamic of what, you know, the race is, but as a competitor in it at times, it is immensely frustrating when you do most of the race, either under yellow or in red flag conditions. It's just, and yes. I don't know what it is. Is it, is it the layout? Is the layout all that's to be blamed or do, does the driving standards drop for someone or every reason in Nashville? Like, is everyone just so hyped to be there and want to win so bad? Like, what is it? Because well, I don't think Detroit was just as tight. Yeah. Um, and there are 
So like half of the track in Nashville is actually like pretty normal standard street course corners. Right. And we all managed to run into each other in those corners too. Like right. it's not turn even nine like is not the, the, the tight section. Like nine and 10 are like the most bog standard corners you can have turn. I three, the right hander coming onto the bridge, very normal corner. There are crashes in every single one of those corners over the last two years. So yeah, man, I don't know the answer to that. That's a, that's a great point because yes, do we get blockages because turn 11 is tighter than some other corners? Fine. That little Mickey Mouse section is very Mickey Mouse, but actually like that's not where the issues are. Like turn four at the end of the bridge, there's an issue. But once you're in the tight stuff, we don't really have a lot of issues there. I think we had one issue over two years. So it's, I don't know if you can just blame the track. I think there's something in the air, something in the water in, in Smashville that just gets people all jazzed up and wanting to win a guitar or something. Do they still do that? I don't think so. I don't know. But it's like, it seems that, you know, the more pit stops you make, the more you increase your odds of winning. Statistically speaking, you have to pit at least four times, maybe five, I think at least five times. You have to have some kind of contact car to car and damage, and you have to drive for Ganassi in order to win the race. Correct. So um, we also, I think we're batting a batting a thousand on red flags. So yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see batting if we keep thousand, that trend up. Um, on oppressive heat. So that's, that's yeah. exciting. But dude, I was thinking about this. I, I'm trying to remember last year. Last year, it like rained right before the race or something, and it took a bunch of the humidity out of the air. It was still kind of cloudy. So, like, yeah, I think it took some of the heat away. Oh, it did. Year, year one, we raced at like, like, we raced until six o'clock at night. Like, it was in the, like, the sun, we were past the hottest part of the day. The yes. sun was behind the stadium. It actually was not as bad as practice. Green, like, we come on air at noon. Like, I think green flags like 1230. Oh, yeah. And that was in an effort to keep it cooler. It, I'm sorry, what? Mm-hmm. Do they not know how sun works? Well, by... Well, no, the fact of the matter is that at 3 or 4 o'clock, it is technically usually the hot yeah. part of the day. Right, but the track's hiding behind the stadium shade at that but point. The temperature on the app is not at the hottest part yet. Yeah, but on the app fault which you're driving on it'll be much warmer it doesn't matter it it had nothing to do with that it's got to do with tv windows that's that's how the race times are set they're not set on no no quite frankly it was it wasn't an effort to to make it slightly more appealing to fans to come out if it was you know they were getting there in the cooler part of the day it was okay um but be that as it may it's august in nashville what do you expect it's gonna be stinky it's gonna be hot yeah um and I would expect that we're going to have the same kind of race and show and program that we've had. Would you agree with that? Like, or do you think this is the year it just goes all green? Cause everyone's so yeah. paranoid. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that like the first year happened the way it did. And then the second year, everyone's like, Oh, there's no way that's going to happen again. And so they continue to drive the same way and have the same results. So I, I think this year is going to go the other way. I think it's going to be weirdly clean race. And do you think it's going to be another six caution, two red flag show with eight cars in the lead lap? And one of us is going to be right. And I look forward to the friendly gentleman's wager on this one. I mean, quite honestly, based on the temperatures, I I wouldn't hate a bunch of yellow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but dude, sometimes when you drive around in yellow, you're not getting any air in it. It's just hot. You're not working as hard. Your heart is 40 beats less. 
So yeah, that's fair. Um, so yeah, it's so, interesting. So that's coming up, and then uh, we should probably touch on the two uh, motor racing events that happened over the weekend, week weekend. Um, Thursday night thunder in SRX Virginia, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which I didn't even know you could get suspended from that series. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Tracy has since been suspended from the superstar racing experience, which I mean, if anyone was going to get suspended, it was going to be him, but I'm still surprised it happened. I mean, for the, from what I understand, it wasn't the event. It wasn't what happened at that race Okay, in the final. It wasn't, it wasn't that bad. Like, yes, it, was it wasn't, it wasn't, fault, that but bad. there was nothing yeah, it was malicious or dangerous he, or, he came up off four. He didn't leave a guy enough room. Other guys got involved. They don't have spotters. You know, you're kind of, it's, yeah, it's a tricky situation. Um, I think it was just a compounding thing. Like if you go back through the last two seasons and you were to rack up a crash damage bill for each driver, so to speak, um, whether some proportion of them were his fault or not, like whatever that ratio is, I think they just kind of got tired of fixing race cars and there was a common denominator there. And I know for sure some of them weren't his fault. And I'm, I'm kind of surprised. I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of surprised it got to the point where they decided to actually like bench a guy, um, which is too bad because he's uh, he's the kind of personality that that series is built for. Um, but uh, yeah, man, uh, you know, we obviously our buddies <clears throat> were, were there. Uh, Marco racing, uh, Connor commentating, Joseph racing. Um, and it just shows, man, you can't just jump. Like these guys are pretty good at what they do because you can't just jump in. I mean, Joseph jumped in and <laughs> it was really tough. He was he not did, running up the sharp end. The, arguably the most proficient oval driver in 2023. I mean, probably for the last five years. I mean, he's won what seven of the last eight indie car races on ovals, which is pretty insane. So Yeah. Okay, so the most proficient oval driver in America and could not even come close to competing. Um, so yeah. yeah, tough. It is a it is a challenging series. Which but, I think uh, I mean you can't understate how good of a job. Obviously, it's now year number two, three for Marco. But like, but he won the championship in year he, two. He won the championship in year two and adapted incredibly well to the point where he is like, he is the guy that is the benchmark. Now you've got your ringers, you've got your Kozlowski's, your Kyle Bush's, your Chase Elliott's, you know. Yeah, current active cup guys. Right, who are obviously going to be better and the ones to beat for reasons that we don't need to discuss. But of the full-time guys, Marco Andretti is head and shoulders the favorite every weekend every heat race and he continues to back it up and it's pretty amazing yeah. his adaptation to the series and i'm not saying that because i'm a friend of him i'm saying that because i'm genuinely impressed because like that's it not is easy impressive. To do. yeah it is not easy to do and he's done a great job with it um yeah he won one of the heats i think yeah. last weekend but yeah it's it's when you like when you <laughs> are going up against cup regulars every week it's a huge challenge and look ryan hunter ray found that when he went in there um last year tk elio they can kind of compete on the given day on and off but like marco's been the one that's been really consistent and consistently quick and has figured out how to you know rub a little bit when needed and not overdo it and um 
that was interesting. So that was a good one. And then uh, the other motorsporting event was um, Spa Francorchamps. Oh, race. Well, I mean, you can, because he didn't start first, but he got there. I mean, he qualified pole. So Max qualified on pole again in Spa. Took an injured uh, gearbox penalty, so started sixth. Took the lead 24 laps from the end of the race and finished ahead of his teammate, who was second, by 22 laps. 22 seconds. Sorry, Here's, by 20 seconds. Let, let me put this to you guys in perspective. There are 26 points that you can get in Formula One on a weekend. Like, that's all you can get. On and a normal he, weekend, yeah. He is averaging 24.2. No, 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 no. He's averaging 26.2 because of sprint weekends. So on a normal weekend, you can only collect 26 points maximum. The win 25, one point for fastest lap. His average is actually 26.2 right. because of the sprint races right. where there's extra points. So yeah, he's averaging better than a race win and fastest lap every single race. It's pretty shocking. He won his, uh, his eighth consecutive eight race. Red Bull's 12. Red Bull's 12th as a team. It goes uh, next race. If he wins, he will tie Sebastian Vettel's record for consecutive race wins by a driver. Well, he was obviously going to win at Zandvoort. <laughs> well, then that's just it. That'll happen at Zandvoort. Yeah. Uh, his home race in Belgium was kind of his adopted home race because yeah. he's got some Belgian lineage. And then, uh, yeah, the here's, next one's going to be interesting. Here's what was what was crazy to me. And... I'm not saying that really anyone being put up against Max in his current form in this current car, which is obviously completely designed to him, would compete. Like, you can't take away what he's capable of doing. But there was a period of the race where he was behind Checo for like two laps um, after they both done their first pit stop and switched onto the medium tire, the kind of preferred tire for the race. And it was a, it was a two second gap leaving the pit stop. And then, you know, Max was closing it down, but you know, it took him a, a, a minute or second, a little bit to get there. And we were watching, um, you know, the battle for Max's onboard. And I'm not kidding you. Spa's a big track. It's like four plus miles. Sergio didn't find a single apex. <laughs> I, and I'm not saying that to be an asshole. Like, no, I know it, it's literally it, it's absurd. It's like you you watch the 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 runs that he gets on him. Max gets on Sergio out of corners, and you're like, well, no, shit. he's like he's actually doing it correctly. And it's it, I don't understand there, there what was, was going on. So when Max got into second, and it was just Checo in front, it was about a three second gap. And you know what? It stayed about three seconds for a while, but then. They did the pit stops. Max came out, started closing it down. And I think it's just the fact that once Max got in his mirrors, he was driving in his mirrors. Because when he's looking forward, he can do pretty good race pace, right? We saw it in Saudi. We saw it in, you know, other places. Even when Max Baku, even when Max gets in the second, he doesn't always just chew him up and spit him out. There have been examples where when he's got the lead and he's got the clean air, he can run a pace, keep Max past a second out of DRS, whatever, and, and finish ahead. And, I, and th that first bit of that, that sequence, when Max first got into second, I'm like, okay, all right, he's holding his own. 
Um, but then, yeah, once Max got close, it's like he was driving his beers and just missed everything. The, the one that's the thing that's what stood out for me that was just insane. Man. It happened in the sprint uh, on Saturday, and then it happened in the race on Sunday. In the sprint, um, Leclerc was ahead of Verstappen in the wet, no DRS. No, uh, Piastri was. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, Piastri. So Piastri was no DRS in the wet, not allowed to have it. Mm-hmm. Comes up through Eau Rouge and Radion tracks, right? But the, with no DRS, the rate at which he pull, sucked up to, pulled out from, and blew past the McLaren was out of control. Like it looked like he had it and he didn't even have it. And the exact same thing happened on the first lap of the race on Sunday. Checo came out behind Leclerc, down that straightaway, no DRS on the first lap of the race. And he just, like, the car advantage right now that Red Bull has is baffling. Won another race by, so again, so it was 22 seconds to Checo, who was probably three seconds ahead of Leclerc in third. So you're talking another 25 second, 27? 27 no, no, he was, se- he was oh, seven he was- seconds ahead so 29 okay so 29 seconds and that is after max started so he didn't get the lead until lap 17 like i mean it's and it honestly is- we've been we've been gifted the closer finishes because max insists to pit for tires on the last lap to get the fastest lap of the race yeah, or we had some safety cars things like that right. and he, did you right. hear that whole like back and forth with him yeah, and his engineer <laughs> it's absolutely hilarious. He is in such a level though. He's like, we should just do some pit stop practice in the middle of a grand prix. Like, and his, and his engineers like, Hey, these tires degrade. You should take care of them. Use your head. And he's just kind of like, no, that. I'm going to go Shut faster up. than that. And yeah, don't tell me what to do. I know what's going on. It's crazy, man. It is crazy. He is absolutely on another level and it's fun to watch. Like I, like, yes, fine. Are the races super exciting? No. But like as a as a fan of the sport and as someone who can appreciate what he's doing, I do find it somewhat entertaining to see records being broken and fun to watch him do it. And and where he's at at this point is like obviously the team would never allow this to happen, and I Formula One wouldn't allow it to happen. But like he he does care about qualifying, so I don't ever think that he would like throw qualifying because he likes getting polls and making a statement. But I could see him wanting <laughs> to like qualify and pull and then ask to start like 15. Just take an engine penalty every race. Yeah, just, just swap just your for, power unit out. Just for and giggles. See how it goes. For a 10th. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're not going to do it at Zandvoort, top track to pass, but like you'll do it at Monza. You know, why not? I wonder if Crazy. he actually needed a gearbox at Spa or if he was just like <laughs> bored. <laughs> just bored. He's got to bets on what lap he's going to get the lead. Anyway. That was that. It was entertaining if you like that stuff. Um, but yeah, Nashville's coming up. Everybody's very excited. Music City Grand Prix. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Alex, have a terrific weekend. Tim, we will see you there. Yeah, I'm excited. I'll be at the next two races now. This is unexpected. Yeah. We are I'm excited to have you. No, no, no. No, sure you. You'll be passed out by that. You should definitely yeah. buy some shorts before you come. Yeah, probably. Do you not own shorts? Don't you live in I California? Own, I own one pair of shorts that kind of fit. Yeah, you should probably look into some shorts. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Tune in next yeah. week to hear all about Nashville. This has been Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Off Track is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts. 
We're at Ask Off Track on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to follow us on Twitter individually, I'm at Hinchtown. He's Alexander Rossi. And if you want to follow Fim, though we have no idea why you would, he's at the Tim Durham on Twitter. Follow us on YouTube and subscribe to our channel for exclusive video content. Off Track is produced by Tim Durham, and by that we mean Fim. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.